From the studios of WHUP-LP in Hillsboro, North Carolina, this is Dirty White Belt Radio. Innovative, often duplicated When enough people get on the trend I elevate it, make it way harder For them to follow what I take It hard to swallow like a lozenger Lodged in your trachea Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up So just take your stuff Rake it up and take the bus Never fake the funk, you painted skunks You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space So the weight is up Fight, It has been a long time, it seems like, since I was here in the studios at WHUP talking to you folks as a part of another episode of Dirty White Belt Radio, and a lot has changed. Although we didn't take any weeks off of the show, that's because we'd built up a good buffer of great interviews uh, to, to send y'all off with. For those of you that don't know, uh, me and Betsy O'Donovan got married, and we just spent 10 days in Belize, so it was one of the most spectacular uh, times of my life. And right before that, uh, my instructor, Seth Champ, surprised me with my brown belt, uh, which was something that was really meaningful to me to happen on such an important weekend in my life. And I just want to say thanks uh, not only to Seth, but to everybody who showed up for that open mat. Uh, I wrote a blog post about it that's going to be up this week that's more about uh, thanking folks who showed up for the open mat. We had five or six black belts on the mat, and 25 of my friends from all around the area came out to celebrate that weekend. And it was a, a, a tremendous life experience for me and uh, a really good opportunity to uh, just be grateful to the community that we find ourselves in. And so everybody who showed up and everybody who sent me uh, messages of thanks I just want to say that I really appreciate it. That being said, it's terrific to be back with you on the radio. We've got a great show for you today with three different interviews as well as just a packed news segment. As it turns out, events of the world of jiu-jitsu have not stopped just because I was in Belize, and there's no possible way I can get to them all. Uh, but I want to start by talking about something serious, and, and this is something where one of the members of our community is experiencing some medical difficulties that I would like for us to see if we can help out. Uh, we've already made some contributions, but a lot of you know who about Karaoke, uh, who heads uh, the the name the eponymous team, Team Who Bow Karaoke, out here. A lot of competitors uh, that you know, John Shell, who's been on the show, Vernon Kirk, who's been on the show, uh, compete under him. And Ruben's just had a stroke, unfortunately. So, of course, we send our best wishes, our thoughts, and our prayers out to him for a speedy recovery. But I want to mention that Vernon and some of his teammates have organized a GoFundMe to help Ruben's with medical expenses. We've linked that on our Facebook page, or you can go to GoFundMe and search for Who Bow Karaoke, or you can just go to facebook.com slash radio. And if you do have the means, please do contribute to that. I know that John Shell is also planning on having a series of seminars to help benefit Rubens. And when that happens, they're throwing around some exciting names of folks both in the area, out the area, some big names, some people that are tremendous instructors. And once we have some details on that, we're going to try and get John back on the show. Maybe you get Vern back on the show to talk about that, too. So there'll be a, a way of uh, so we'll let you know all the different ways in which you can uh, support uh, Hubao Karaoke during this difficult time. U.S. Grappling is our favorite tournament organization for a lot of reasons. Run by grapplers for grapplers, U.S. Grappling consistently provides the best tournament experience for competitors. Whether it's a points tournament or submission only, and U.S. Grappling runs true no time limit submission only events, it's the best place to compete and to watch your friends compete. Check out upcoming events and register online at usgrappling.com.
Back to the business of jiu-jitsu, uh, which is jiu-jitsu generally, there's more events going on now than ever. And one of the things that's f- sort of both amazing and a little frustrating as someone who's trying to keep track of it all is that there's just more every weekend than there used to be. And so there's no possible way that I can talk about it all. Just during the 10 days that uh, I was out on vacation, you know, we had Next Level had a great fight card. Congratulations to Shockwave Hannah Cyphers for her TKO victory last night. I was able to catch about half of the card on Facebook Live and it looked amazing. You know, James Quigg fought, uh, who's been on the show a couple times. Unfortunately, James uh, took a loss and uh, his first loss as a professional was able able to check that out. Um, there was a U.S. grappling submission only event. I, I wasn't able to check out all of that, but I noticed Evan Arredondo, who's about my size, uh, you know, fun sized, and his shorts are even smaller, took double gold. So congratulations to Evan. These are all things that uh, that were just popping up on my feed as I got back into the country uh, late yesterday. And so that's really exciting. And so beyond, I, I would love to be able to give all of those events the attention that they deserve. And we're going to try to go in-depth on as many of the upcoming events as possible. But for the news segment today, I wanted to sort of illustrate this. And, you know, for those of you who have been training a while, say if you've been training more than three years even, and if you've been training longer than that, like I, I've been training about eight years now, and, and it, boy, has the scene changed. And so I want to I talk about that just briefly and then illustrate it by going down all the events that are coming up to help you get up to speed on 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 what opportunities you have in terms of training and in terms of watching uh, really exciting jujitsu. Just this past weekend, you know, we've I already mentioned we've had several events. If you go back to the first ever show in our archive wh- when we were called the Cage Side Concussion Cast, the first guest we had was Andrew Smith. You know, been a black belt forever, extremely well respected uh, guy who's seen a ton of different stuff. And I asked him, "Hey, what's what's the biggest change you've seen in this in 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 the local southeastern United States scene?" And he told some great stories about how how rare it used to be that you were able to compete. And that you had to wait, you know, weeks or months, drive six hours. Or, you know, if somebody if somebody had a new video from a great practitioner and you were able to learn a technique that that practitioner had done, that was an amazing thing. And that video was dubbed and passed along, uh, you know. It, and so now when you see something like the way it is now, when world-class instructors are coming to our area all the time, when multiple tournament organizations are running events just down the road, Boy, it's an awesome opportunity to take a step back and say and see how far we've come and see how lucky we are right now. It's never a bad idea to be grateful for the stuff you have. And so as I go down the calendar, I kind of want you all to keep that in mind. One project that I want to do, you know, a lot of you know that I tried to start an events calendar on DirtyWhiteBelt.com, and it's one of those things that was a project where I think it was a really good idea that we just didn't have a ton of time for, especially because people are using Facebook events for for most of their calendars. Uh, But as I sort of... As I, as I went through that project and just thought, okay, what are the things I want to talk about? Um, I was pretty struck by all of that. So let's just start. And I'm just going to go weekend to weekend. And I'm going to go through November. <laughs> and so I'm doing this for two reasons. First of all, to give you all ideas of like, oh, I really want to go to that. That's what I want to prioritize. Oh, I'm really interested in that. I would like to hear Jeff interview that person. Oh, I'm really I'm fascinated with this. I'm less interested in that, but also just to kind of be overwhelmed by by how much is going on. So let's start with this coming weekend, uh, September 23rd and 24th. That's when uh, ADCC Finland happens. Now, that's not local, but it's something that a lot of us that are really interested in no-gi grappling are interested in. Now, we're going to have a contest about an ADCC picks contest that will come out on the blog at DirtyWhiteBelt.com this week. It will also be all over Facebook, so, so have a look at that. 
I also want to mention that if you enjoy the intro and outro music by Tune in the Real Law, there's also this that weekend is Beats and Bars Festival, a first annual hip hop festival in Durham, North Carolina, that is going to be on fire, and you should absolutely check that out if you have the means. I also want to mention September 23rd, Frankie Patches down in South Carolina is having an invitational tournament at his spot. That's a sub only uh, invitational tournament. It's the first of its kind. Uh, I'm pretty excited because Frankie asked me to come down to cover it and maybe even do a little guest commentary with he and a gentleman you may have heard of named Matt Sarah. So very excited for that, and I'll report on that. Uh, I'll report on that pretty soon. So when we get into October, October 7th, that's the IBJJF Charlotte. That same day, uh, our featured guest today, Nakapon Poongpon from Beta Academy, it has his return to the MMA cage. We'll be able to talk to Nakapon about his fight when he calls in after 1030. The next weekend after that, which is October 14th, that is Toro Cup 8. You know, I know I've been saying this a lot, but the more matches get announced, the more I'm convinced that this is the best Toro Cup ever. You know, we have UFC veteran Marcus Davis on the card, has 15 fights in the UFC. We have, I think, 10 black belt matches, many of whom are black belts that haven't competed on Toro Cup before. It's always a huge community event. Hundreds of people attend. We always go and to do interviews. So please mark that on your calendar. So we've got October 7th, IBJJF Charlotte and Nakabon's fight. October 14th is Toro Cup. October 14th is also Sammy Seth's fight. Sammy Seth, now the main event, fighting for a title, returning from a knee injury. Uh, you heard Sammy Sammy's inspiring story. We're going to get her back into the studio to talk about that fight. So the same day that there's Toro Cup, Sammy also has a main event MMA fight for a title. The weekend after that... October 21st is U.S. Grappling Chantilly, Virginia. Now, you know that U.S. Grappling is our favorite tournament organization. They just had a really successful submission-only event, so another opportunity to compete, and uh, that might be the first time that I compete at Brown Belt. We'll see. The weekend after that, October 28th, uh, Pro Jitsu is having a Dark Horse Invitational uh, with Blue Belts. These are always really fun events, but one particularly interesting thing, this time it's going to be at Segoy Submissions in New Bern, North Carolina. And uh, Chris from Segoy Submissions has invited me to come out and cover that event. So I covered one of the Pro Jitsu Dark Horse events before, a couple, year, uh, a couple of years ago, I think. And it was it was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to doing that again. So if you're interested in watching some jiu-jitsu, uh, you know, go out to that. And, you know, if you can't be in New Bern, then, then we'll cover that. So that's another exciting event. So already we're through October, and there's a ton of stuff that I hope that you all are interested in. But November is on fire. November is actually better. On on November 4th, Dominico Oblanite is coming back to do seminars at Elevate MMA. Now, we've been, you know, Dominica was kind enough to let Lourdes film three videos of her doing a Spider Guard series for our website. It's up on the website now, right now at dirtywhitebelt.com. It's also on our Facebook page. It, so, watch that. Get hyped. If you learned from Dominica the last time we brought her in, you know how amazing her jujitsu is and how unusual her jujitsu is, which means you might see things that you're, you're not used to seeing, which is always terrific. That same day, Lori Porsche, who was gonna, who you'll hear later on in the show, who's going to be our first interview today, uh, is organizing Grapplethon at Beta Academy in D.C., which is a tremendous event. They're benefiting this able veteran this time, which is a, you know a charity for 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 veterans suffering from PTSD. As uh, and so, and Grapplethon is always a lot of fun. In addition to benefiting really uh, good causes, so the, both of those things are on November fourth. I imagine your geography is gonna gonna really drive which one of those you go to. The weekend after that, October 11th, 
Rubens Cobrinha Charles is coming to Greenville, South Carolina. I will be driving down for that. I'm hoping to get Cobrinha on the show, which would be a coup. I've met him before. He's an awesome guy. You obviously know he's an all-time great of jiu-jitsu. I wrote an entire blog post about Cobrinha, his record, about how, you know, it, it, you know about how uh, he is easily one of the top ten of all time, in my opinion. And, you know, when you consider also that Cobrinha is, I believe, 36 years old right now, for all of those of us who are a bit older, to watch him continue to dominate and be the biggest favorite at ADCC this year, uh, according to the odds makers, is incredible. And I'm really looking forward to getting the chance to train with him. If you don't want to go to Greenville, South Carolina, if you'd rather go to Tennessee for the weekend, Guy Mendez is coming to Tennessee. That's October 11th as well. And finally, I'm going to stop because you can see there's so much going on. October 18th, Bernardo Faria comes in once again to Elevate MMA Academy. We are sponsoring that along with Roll Forever, the Betty Broadhurst uh, organization. So uh, so Roll Forever, Dirty White Belt, and Elevate MMA bringing in Bernardo Faria October 18th, or November 18th. Those, those spots, by the way, are filling up. So if you want to, uh, I would get on Facebook. I would get with uh, Cody from Elevate, and I would sign up right now. Bernardo Faria, one of the, the current best competitors, a multiple-time world champion, master of the deep half guard, master of pressure passing, really excited to train with him. So if you noticed, I didn't leave out any weekend. L- every single weekend through November 18th, and the only reason we stopped was November 18th is I knew that, is that we only have an hour for the show. Um, you have an opportunity to get out and learn jiu-jitsu, to train jiu-jitsu, to watch jiu-jitsu. And so, A, I hope you found something in that litany that was really interesting for you. And B, you know, I hope you understand exactly how good, good we have it these days. And I'm pretty excited about it. So that's the news. If I missed anything, please let me know. Uh, you can email the show at cagesidewhoop, cagesidewhup at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at DWB Radio. We're on Instagram at Dirty White Belt. And you can always check out our Facebook page, which is Cageside Radio. All of this stuff, including several blog posts, are going to be up this week at dirtywhitebelt.com. And we're going to get to our featured interview in just a minute. But uh, we have three interviews for you today that are, vent- that are variations on a theme. And personally, I can't wait to get to them. Exciting news from Toro BJJ. The best jiu-jitsu gi company just got better. The new Toro BJJ gi comes out in August in just a couple of weeks, designed by yours truly, and it's the best looking gi we've ever done. You know the high quality Toro BJJ products that you get and you see around at local tournaments. Well, the next gi is going to blow your mind. And so we're going to advertise that both here on the program and on DirtyWhiteBelt.com. So be sure to check it out. If you want to know the story behind the gi, how the symbolism came to be, why I designed it the way I did, why I picked the colors the way I did, you can go to DirtyWhiteBelt.com slash blog and hear the whole story. I always like getting products that have a story behind it, especially when I can get them from a local company that supports local athletes, and Toro BJJ does just that. Check them out at ToroBJJ.com or at Cageside Fight Shop in Durham at 124 Lotter Road. One of my absolute favorite places to train is the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. I get up there several times a year for work, and there are just a ton of great schools up there and amazing jiu-jitsu practitioners. Uh, you know, I've trained a bunch of the Pedro Sauer Academy out there in Sterling, Virginia. I've trained the Yamasaki Academy a bunch. Fernando Yamasaki is an amazing instructor. Just a ton of great practitioners there. Last time I was up there, I got to train with Isaac July for the first time. Just was very impressed with Isaac, with his mentality and his teaching abilities. And next time, I'm going to get up and train with at Dave Jacobs' school and Abmar Barbosa's school, which are schools that I haven't been to before. I know both of those guys are incredible instructors, so I'm lucky to train with them. 
But Beta Academy is one of my absolute favorite places, and it's it's the it's the place that I go really regularly when I'm in D.C. The students there are all top to bottom tough, um, very technical, very positive environment, and that really starts as you'll hear in this interview with Lori Porsche we're about to play with the instructor Nakapon Pungpong. Now Nakapon is one of the most well-rounded and respected martial artists around in terms of both jujitsu, in terms of Muay Thai. You heard me mention at the top of the show he's going to step back in the cage uh, in in the coming weeks on October 7th and we'll talk to him about that when he calls in later but the last time I was in DC I had the opportunity to train at Beta and got to talk to a couple of different folks. You know, we've had Lori Porsche on the show before uh, in her capacity as the organizer of Grapplethon and her capacity as one of the athletes that competed on our first Superfight event, the Concussion Cast Carnival. But Lori is just a, a fascinating individual who's also one of the toughest and most technical purple belts around. And she has a broad perspective about issues that take place in the martial arts, about how to learn jiu-jitsu, about how to train jiu-jitsu, about what inspired Grapplethon, and a lot more. And so I got to sit down and talk with Lori. And we're going to play that for you in a second. But before I do, I want to sort of set the stage. You know, being in that environment and, you know, seeing all these different folks training uh, and, you know, all different people that had great stories that I really wanted to interview, I thought, well, I, I, let's talk to a few of these people. And unfortunately, Nakapan was out of town at the time. But when Nakapon is back in town and when he has something that we can bring him in to talk to him about, we could do a show that is essentially themed around Beta Academy. And that's what this show is. So you're about to hear an interview from Lori Porsche. Later in the show, we'll get to an interview with Luis Candelas, who is the gym manager there and also a really tough purple belt that I got the chance to roll with. Um, we're going to get Isaac, on, Isaac Renner on the show very soon. But So today our three interviews are all with folks from Beta Academy. And we're going to start with an interview from Lori Porsche that I really hope you enjoy. So let's get right to it. So I'm sitting here with Beta Academy Purple Belt founder of Grapplethon and uh, all-around badass Lori Porsche. Lori, thanks for having me out to train tonight. Thanks for coming in and training with us. So when did you start training jiu-jitsu? So I started training in 2010 for a little bit, for a few months. Um, I was in the military at the time, and I was up here, and I found Beta because they had a women's only class. Um, came in, loved it, ended up uh, training for a couple months, left, deployed to Afghanistan, so was gone uh, between workups and the actual deployment for about a year. Came back, and had been training fairly consistently since uh, July or August 2011. And so you've always trained here at Beta. I'm sure you visit other schools, but I'm wondering, what to you makes Beta Academy a special place to train? The Beta's, I always say it's just a, a really, really interesting, really unique vibe. Um, really what makes Beta Academy special is the people. So D.C. is obviously a super diverse city. Um, on the mat at any one time, you'll have professionals, you'll have laborers, you'll have people from every walk of life. Um, you know, at one point, you have a lot of attorneys. D.C. has a lot of attorneys. I think at one point in time, we had two Davids who were both attorneys grappling each other in our white belt tournament. So we thought that was kind of funny. Um, it's just everybody's, everybody's just so positive. And a lot of that is because of Kung Nakapon and the kind of tone he sets for the school. You know, he's a serious martial artist. He takes it very seriously. But he also is really big into, into all parts of martial arts, not just the training and the fighting, also into the respect and the discipline and all of that. The two Davids, did you give them silly nicknames like David 1, David 2, Old David, Young David, things like that? I'm pretty sure they were actually both bald David. So I think we had bald David one and bald David two. So they're, they're, they're good sports. They're good people. 
So you mentioned Nakapon. Nakapon, obviously, super active on the competition scene, super well-respected Muay Thai practitioner, Jiu-Jitsu practitioner, all-around martial artist. And I'm wondering, you know, you mentioned that, you know, the leader of a school that sets a tone. And how would you describe uh, the way Nakapon sets the tone of Beta Academy? I think the biggest thing is he's always on the mat working. He is literally always working hard. He's never in the corner pointing out, pointing to people, telling them to do this, telling them to do that. If he says to do something, it's because he's doing it as well. Um, he's just really supportive. Um, I, I never really hear negative negative comments coming from him. Um, you know, he's he's very much into building everybody up, um, and that trickles down to the other instructors. Of course, Isaac, whom you know really well, another really active competitor, super positive guy, um, and it's just it makes everybody feel good. You should leave. I always say I've never come to jiu-jitsu and or never come to beta and not left in a better mood than when I started and that's always really important like I think everybody should come here feel really great and leave happy one commonality between uh, Nakapon and Isaac that I notice when they compete is that when they win, which is often, they're always smiling. When they lose, which is rare, they are often smiling, even after a really tough match where both guys are exhausted. Maybe you had your face smashed for 10 minutes. So it sounds like that's true during training as well as competition. Yeah, they both train really hard, um, and they're both always really positive, and, and they are, they're happy, happy to be doing jiu-jitsu, you know. And, and I, I can learn from them because I also lose in competition uh, <laughs> more often than I'd like to admit. And I used to not smile, and I'd say smiling is for closers, but I just need to be happy to, if you got the joke, if you got the line, you got the line. But I just need to be happy to be, you know, I, I need to appreciate what I have. I'm out there, I'm active, I'm able to do stuff. I'm not hopefully injured. Um, you know, it's just, just need to, I'm doing what I love. Yeah. First prize is a gold medal, second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is required. Yeah, exactly. That's precisely. So you mentioned that one of the, when you came to train at, at, at Beta, one of the, the reasons or one of the things was there was a women-only class. I'm wondering, uh, like, what's your take on that? What do you think the positive aspects of a women-only class are? Do you think it's important to attract and retain a woman's students? And, and why did it, um, why was that something that appealed to you? So I go back and forth on the on whether or not it's really important for a school to have a women's only class. I think that it's a lower barrier to entry. Jiu-Jitsu has a high barrier to entry anyway. So we also teach Muay Thai here, and we see a lot of students come in for Muay Thai, and there's just not as much... Uh, there's not as much contact, obviously. I mean, jiu-jitsu is aggressive cuddling, right? You have to be really comfortable with somebody being in your personal space. And for a women-only class, sometimes we do have students that have come to us with prior life experiences where maybe being in close quarters or being in contact with a man in some of those positions is just not comfortable for them. And I think having a women's-only class helps them get over that. Uh, at the same point, I think it's really important to train with men because, one, Especially here at Beta, the men see women as equals, um, and I think that's that's really empowering. And you just get used to using diff- doing diff- different things, different body types. You know, I always say jiu-jitsu is an art, not a science. You know, I can show you how to use a certain painting technique. If it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. There are things that I can do as a petite woman that a six-foot-tall man can't do, and vice versa. So things that, and things that I can do on larger people that I can't do on smaller people. So I think it's good to have a wide range of people to train with. That being said, we do have a women's open mat every month um, where we have we open it up to women across the community. Um, you know, any affiliation, any rank, anything, just come in, hang out, let's train a little bit. Um, you know, sometimes there are some questions that, that some of the more experienced women can answer just because we've been in that position. So I think it's important to have a female presence on the mat. So one of, the, one, of the, one of the things you do for the community is you help to organize Grapplethon, and I'm wondering if you can tell us how that came to be and how you came to be involved with it and what, what it is and why it's important. So Grapplethon isn't, I'm, I, I can't take credit for Grapplethon as an idea for myself, but um, I did kind of co-opt it from John Somitz, and uh, I think that's how I pronounce his name. Slidey Foot. Uh, Slidey Foot, yeah, Slidey Foot. Um, he had it in... 
uh, England, and they were doing it every year, and they do 24 hours, and we're just, I, I don't want to be here for 24 hours, so we do 12, um, and it just kind of started as a can we do this and will people come, and the answer is yes we can, and they absolutely will, so uh, this year will be our fifth year doing it. And what's the date this year? To be determined. You stand by, I have some stuff planned, but don't worry, I'm going to get with the Torah Cup people to make sure we don't uh, overlap. There's more events every every year, which is great because it shows the growth of the jiu-jitsu community, but it also means we have to be really conscious of not scheduling all over each other. So we'll post that uh, on our calendar and in the comments on the Dirty White Belt Facebook and the website whenever 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 um, whenever those dates are set. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, the causes that you raise money for here at Grapplethon. Sure. So last year we kind of switched gears a little bit and we worked with Submit the Stigma, which is Aaron Hurley's... Um, uh, charity, it's, she is now a 501c3, um, submit the stigma, the whole point is to submit the stigma of mental illness. So last year our money did go to NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. It's a grassroots organization, um, and it works in, all, in communities all around the United States providing uh, awareness, counseling, they, they provide education, they provide support for families who are, um, who are living with mental illness or have family members living with mental illness. And so that was a really... Um, a cause that spoke to a lot of people, um, and it was it was a really powerful thing to see everybody come together and to hear everybody's stories. So we're leaning, you know, we do a different charity kind of every year. We go back and forth. Um, I think everybody we had a really good response from that last year, and everybody seemed to feel really uh, involved in that cause. So, you know, I like to speak with them again and see if we can get them on board again. We love to support their support the work that they're doing. So let's switch gears a little bit, talk a little bit about jiu-jitsu competition, because Beta has an active team of competitors. I know you compete regularly yourself. What do you think the value of jiu-jitsu competition is uh, for people, whether they're active competitors or whether they compete just once in a while? Um, so I think the value is just testing yourself, right? It's being uncomfortable. Uh, that's that's the, the important part, right? Um, you know, because you can train in the room, you train with the same people all the time, but you go out in a competition and stuff's different. You get to see what really works. You get to see... Um, if the time that you're putting, like where you need to work on, your more of your your the holes in your more holes in your game will be exposed in seven minutes of competition. They're going to be exposed in three weeks on the mat in 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 the room because everybody knows how you roll. You know how everybody else rolls. Um, I think it's good to be uncomfortable. I think it's good to kind of fight those butterflies, and it's kind of the the closest thing we can get to mimicking that kind of like fight or flight response for a lot of people is, is athletic competition. Um, it's fun. Honestly, from my perspective, uh, I get to meet kind of other women from all over the world who train. Uh, there's, there are a lot of women that train now and there's more and more every day. And we're really fortunate to have a lot of beta, but there aren't a lot that have been training for a long time. So when you get to share the matter, you get somebody who understands kind of you know, what, what you go through on a daily basis and, and how the, the, the work-life balance and stuff like that. It's really cool. I have friends all over the world. I have couches all over, all over the country I can stay in because of jiu-jitsu, stay on because of jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I was talking with Ben in the locker room after we got done training, and he mentioned that you have a lot of people that, uh, the, what he called a master's gym. You have a lot of people over 30 that train here, and that, that's true of my gym as well. And he mentioned he thinks that brings a particular type of vibe here between, uh, of, of, of learning. And I'm wondering, do you feel that as well with having like a mix of folks, including folks that are a little bit older? Absolutely. Did you just call me old? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, no, Beta definitely skews older. Um, you know, uh, D.C. is a town that really attracts a lot of professionals. So you get a lot of people in their late 20s, early 30s, even into their early 40s training here. Um, and I think it definitely does change the vibe a little bit. Um, 
most of our students work nine to fives, right? So they can come in at night. They, they want to come in. They want to work. They work really hard, but a lot of them go home to their families. And I think it makes them value the time they have on the mat more. Because for a lot of our guys and gals who have kids at home, you know, the, the hour and a half they get away um, from, the, from their office and, and from their duties at home might be the only hour and a half they get that day to themselves. So they really want to make the most out of it. You said even in, into their early 40s. Are you calling me old? Only if you take it that way. We have, we have, we have people rolling into their 50s and, and, dare I say, 60s. So, yeah. Somewhere Betty Broadhurst is smiling, which I always like making Betty Broadhurst smile anyway. Betty Broadhurst is, she's, she's a legend. Yeah, no, absolutely. A legend and a hero. Um, so, well, a couple of quick questions about your own competition career. I have my own a- answer in mind, but, uh, you know, you've competed a lot in the gi. You've competed a lot in no gi, you know, Toro Cups. U.S. grappling tournaments, Kakuto submission challenge. I'm wondering, what do you consider some of your biggest wins in competition, or at least the achievements in competition that you think you're most proud of? You know, making weight is always fun. <laughs> um, you know, really, I haven't won any of the tournaments that I that I'm aiming to win. I've I've won some of the IBJJF Opens. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to be able to add uh, a world or pans medal or, or gold to there. I've got uh, I've I've medaled at worlds and at pans before, um, but. Uh, Kokoda challenge. I stepped in last minute and did end up with a um, with a footlock victory. You know, over uh, Karen Antunes, who's an incredible black belt. I think she and I could have that match 99 more times, and I think she would win 99 times. I, I do realize that flukes do happen, and you can get caught. But no, that was that was that was a big one because I was nervous going in, and I just went out there and said, like, I'm going to try this. Um, you know, she's an incredible competitor. Uh, I've had some really awesome matches at Toro Cup. Everybody's really game. I had a really fun match with Mary Holmes, the incredible Mary Holmes. That's another person I met through through competition that has become a good friend of mine. You know, I didn't come out victorious that time. Mary Holmes went away with, with a, a piece of my arm and the victory. You know, it was a super fun match. Everybody had a good time watching it. And afterwards, we just we got to hang out. Like, that was really fun for me. So I like those kinds of things. So I'm hoping to compete this year. I'm, I'm reaching that point in my life where I work a lot. Um, I try and train as much as I can. Uh, you know, and we'll see what happens. A couple of incredible names there. Karen Antunia's totally accomplished black belt. Mary Holmes, one of the most technical people up and down the East Coast and a world medalist in her own right. So, so total beast there. Um, another thing that I notice is like, you know, your, your, your teammates are also really active competitors. You know, Kelly Quinn, uh, Nakapon, we mentioned Isaac. So a funny question first. Were you there when Kelly and Nakapon had their match where Kelly ran away from Nakapon? I was not, but I, I saw the video. On a scale of one to ten, how funny was the video? It was, it was pretty amazing, but wouldn't you do the same thing? Oh, my God. I'm already running from Nakapon. The only reason I'm here is I know he's in Thailand. <laughs> Maybe he's in Thailand because you're here. <laughs> you know, I am a very intimidating guy. Is there anything that I haven't asked about about Beta, about your career competition-wise, about your goals, or about your teammates? That, that, is there anything I haven't asked about that you really wish I would have asked about? You know, I, don't, I, I feel like, you know, we've really touched a lot. Like, I just think a lot of it is, and, and, and I go back to Mary Holmes. She posted something a while ago basically being like, hey, I'm this old and I'm, I'm competing, and I, I constantly wonder if I'm good enough to get on the mat. And I think that's really important. That really spoke to me because I'm not 19 years old. I'm not 21. I'm, I'm not even 25. And, and to see people, like, I think it's important to see that other people are doing it in well into their 30s, well into their 40s. They're going out there, hey, you know, they're, they're competing as much as they can. They're having a really good fight. Aaron France, another black belt here, who's competed at Toro Cup. Super awesome guy. Really awesome. He one time said, he's like, yeah, look, I'm, I'm never going to have the time to, to dedicate to, compete, to competing at the world level at black belt. He's like, but I want to be really hard to beat. And, and 
you know, I think there's something to that. Like, I want to be as good as I can be with the time that I'm able to put forth into this sport. I love it. I want everybody to train. I think everybody should train. You know, I'm walking. I carry beta cards in my pocket just in case people ask me, oh, beta, you know. Um, and I, if anybody's listening and they've never trained before and they're interested, please find your local gym. Hit up Jeff Shaw. He'll tell you where to train. He knows all the people. Um, it's, just, it's just the most fun. It's chess with your body. Hey, Jeff Shaw. Yes, Betsy. I have been reading the frequently asked questions on the U.S. Grappling website, usgrappling.com. This is a great idea for all future grapplers. So I have to tell you, some of the answers are kind of amazing. So can you give me an example? I'm so glad you asked, because here is my favorite thing I think possibly ever written in a rules manual. In the sub-only section, they ask, what if one guy just wants to sit in the other guy's guard during a sub-only match? And the answer U.S. Grappling provides is, he's going to have to pee eventually. Speaking from personal experience, that's true. (laughs) For that, more comedy genius and a full schedule of U.S. Grappling's upcoming matches, you can go to usgrappling.com and support our friends and sponsors. So that's Lori Porsche, and as you may have noticed, we recorded that a little bit ago, and so now Grapplethon has been set. It is going to be November 4th, and they're benefiting this able veteran this time. This able veteran is a PTSD service dog organization providing trained service dogs along with an intensive trauma resiliency program for American veterans suffering from PTSD. So a great cause, plus a great time with some great folks. I really enjoyed talking to Lori both about her experience training at Beta, about her competition career, her take on uh, women's only classes, and everything else. So Thanks to Lori for all she does for the community and for taking the time uh, to do that interview. She also mentioned how passionate she is about her home gym. I think a lot of us feel that way about our gyms. I also talked about that phenomenon with Louis Candelis, the general manager of Beta Academy, who has a perspective on the folks that come in to train, on what it means to run a gym, and why Beta Academy is a special place to train. And so I thought it would be interesting to sit down with him and talk a little bit, bit about um, why he's passionate about Beta Academy and a little bit about the business side of things that we don't always see. So here's that interview. And then later in the show, we're going to get a call from Nakapon. So, Lewis, uh, you're the gym manager here at Beta Academy. Is that right? Yes, I'm the general manager of Beta Academy. And how long have you been here at Beta? Um, I got here around 2002, at the end of 2002, um, and I've been here ever since. And so uh, you're obviously a regular at the jiu-jitsu program. Uh, do you train with the Muay Thai here as well, other martial arts? I got my yellow belt in Muay Thai. Uh, Nakapan kind of makes us do both. Uh, so I was, I'm, I'm not going to say forced because it's been years, but I, I did get my yellow pra job, um, and now I'm working on my orange pra job. But uh, I train jiu-jitsu more um, just because I'm obsessed a little bit. Can you summarize what you love about jiu-jitsu, just in a sentence or two? I feel like... Um, it's extreme problem solving. Uh, I just feel like it's, it's a super challenging thing that's really fun. Um, and you kind of get to do it with your friends. Um, and I've always been um, kind of the type to, that likes to, to roughhouse. Um, and I kind of enjoy that part of jiu-jitsu. Uh, kind of going really hard, uh, fighting people really hard, fighting good guys really hard. People that are better than you, but you feel like you can get them uh, if you get them to, to fall into your trap. Uh, so I'm kind of into that kind of thing. What do you think makes Beta Academy a special place to train? 
Uh, well, I think it's the best place to train in the world. Um, but of course, I'm biased. Um, but I, I visited other gyms. I think uh, everybody has a good vibe at every gym. Um, but I just feel like ours is a little different. Um, we're, we're more about the lifestyle. Uh, a lot of people here train um, all the time. Um, so you always find training partners. If you come in the morning, there's people to train with. Midday, there's people to train with. Uh, evening, there's people to train with. And it's not like the morning time, uh, it, some guys only come. And the evening time, some guys only come. It's like... Anytime you come, there's going to be good guys on the mats to roll with. Uh, so anytime you come in, there's going to be good guys to fight with. Um, and, and it's a lot of fun. We, we don't have a lot of people that are uh, not so nice. Uh, everyone keeps their ego in check. Um, and everyone follows Nakapan's lead. Uh, he's a very humble guy, um, but he trains really hard. Um, and, and he shows us that, um, you know, you should train every day for life, not just training for events, not just training for... Uh, I got this thing in six weeks or eight weeks. Um, it's more like uh, you should train just to train every day. Um, and um, it's just really fun. And I think uh, that was kind of a long answer for why we're awesome. But I just think we're awesome. I, I love training. If anyone ever comes through, I'm always happy to roll with them. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, nobody really hurts anyone here. And uh, a lot of guys, um, some gyms are like, point heavy so you can't do this and you can't do that um and we're not like that uh we we don't have a lot of silly rules so if you roll um you should be prepared for everything um and and just come what you're wearing so like uh we don't make people wear a plain gi or you have to have a beta patch like you could wear anything you want as long as we can grab it and choke you with it we're okay with it um, so, so we're very open and friendly like that. We love having visitors come through at like the hard training sessions. Um, it's just, there's, there's just a lot going on here and we're open all the time and there's people always training and that's just what makes it great. Yeah. Come in in your tank top. Kelly Quinn will twister you in your tank top. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so you mentioned, you mentioned Nakapon and you mentioned uh, his humility and his leadership by example. One thing I notice about Nakapon and a lot of your other instructors here, Isaac, Lori, these are people with really positive attitudes, and you always see them smiling, whether they're on the mat, off the mat, whether they've had an easy round, whether they've had a tough round. And I'm wondering, how do you, like, why is that? And do you think that's infectious to other people around? Um, I, think, I think it's infectious for sure, um, especially when you got the head coach really enjoying himself. You want to really enjoy yourself. Um, and I think we really, we really try to keep the people here that, that are about this life. Um, that are not about the title, they're not about making millions, even though there's not millions in jiu-jitsu, but um, they're not really focused on, on that kind of stuff. Um, we really try to help the people that are about this life. Um, and, and that's appealing to a lot of people because, uh, especially if you don't want a lot of money, but because um, you could train here all the time, we could, we could, uh, you could work here, so we figure out your training schedule with you. Um, that's, kind of, that's kind of that. Is there anything that I haven't asked about that you think is really important people know, either about you or about Beta, about Nakapon, or about other, the, the other folks that train here? Um, I think people should know that they're always welcome to visit. Um, especially when you visit, don't just try to sneak in. Uh, just check in with the guys at the front. Usually they'll let you uh, take a class for free um, or two. 
Um, but but we're not super strict on anything. So if you come through and you say, hey, can I do a mat fee? We'll let you do that. Or maybe we'll let you buy a T-shirt because we have some cool shirts. Um, so you could buy a shirt, train for the day. Um, or we have, like, different options. But but you're always welcome. Uh, we always have people that are scared to come through. And we're like, no, no, no. Come anytime. Uh, you'll get good roles in the beginner classes. You'll get good roles in the advanced classes. Or uh, we open up the 3 p.m. every day um, to anybody to come through and train. So... Uh, a lot of people in the DMV, they have a hard time finding good training partners. They could just show up at 3 p.m. Uh, we've got some good people here that will fight you or, or grapple you. Um, so, so you can get good training here, and, and we're very open to visitors. We, we love having visitors come through. Um, it helps us get better. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that, that's the most important thing I want people to know is that we, we always want people to visit. Um, but as visitors, you should always want to help and contribute to the school. Like, we, we don't make a lot of money. Buy a shirt. It's no big deal. Buy a shirt. I'm wearing one right now. Well, I've come here. Every, every time I come through, I try and visit Beta, and I've always felt welcome. So thanks to you and your folks for making me feel welcome. Lewis, and thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to me today. Cool, man. Thanks. Good rolling today. We've talked to you about Cageside Fight Company on the program before, and Cageside.com is still the best place to get all of your fight gear needs. No matter what martial art you practice, you'll find something at a great price with tremendous customer service on Cageside.com. A couple of things available on the site right now. There's more than 50% of the Cageside best part of waking up rash guard. For those of us that do early morning jujitsu, we know these are high-quality rash guards that speak to our particular interests. There's also some terrific Muay Thai shin guards, the Cageside tank shin guards, which are super high-quality and because we just did let leg kicks at class this week are on my mind so if you need some striking gear check that out whether you grapple whether you strike whether you do both you won't be sorry that you went to cageside.com As Lewis mentioned, they're going to welcome you at Beta Academy no matter what you're wearing, and they will, in fact, choke you with your own tank top. As somebody who just spent uh, 10 days in Belize wearing a Beta Academy Pride tank top for most of it, um, I can definitely guarantee that. And although Kelly Quinn did not, in fact, twister me while I was wearing the tank top, he did, in fact, twister me. So uh, if you visit Beta Academy, they, they can do that for you as well. So to recap, you know, we have a couple things coming up. Uh, Beta Academy is going to have Grapplethon uh, on uh, November 4th and on October 7th at Shogun Fights at uh, Royal Farms Arena. Nakapon has his next fight, and I think we have Nakapon on the line right now to talk about it. How, how are you doing today, Nakapon? Uh, oh, good, good. How are you all doing? Just great, thanks. Uh, you just finished up a morning training session, I understand. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, well, I just got off the mess. I'm a little delirious, but, uh, <laughs> but yes, just finished an hour and a half training to some jiu-jitsu. Uh, great guys coming in the morning training, and uh, got another session coming up at one o'clock. So, uh, uh, great opportunity to uh, get with y'all. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Uh, heard some great stuff about it, and uh, how y'all doing? Uh, doing great, Knock. And and as somebody who's delirious all the time, whether I'm on the mats or not, I can totally appreciate that. And it's. Uh... <laughs> So, so you know, every, a lot of, most people know you uh, from both jiu-jitsu, from Muay Thai, from your role with Beta Academy, but you're returning to the MMA cage on October 7th, and I'm wondering, what inspired you to want to fight MMA again? You know, uh, I was looking for new challenges, and I've been doing a lot of jiu-jitsu as a blade, lots of gi, mostly uh, a lot of no gi, and, uh, you know, I always, I always want to, uh, to explore combat, you know, that's really why I got into this one. And Jiu Jitsu about 1995, another 22 years ago. And really, uh, it was just uh, trying to learn how to you know, defend myself. 
And uh, well, I think that uh, having the uh, all these different tournaments for jiu-jitsu is great for cultivating fighting spirit. Um, sometimes I just want to get back to the get back to uh, some actual combat. So um, I put through my through my uh, my hat in there, and uh, here I am. It's been about uh, 15 years, so I'm pretty excited about it. I get to uh, work some Muay Thai. Uh, also, uh, I was in Thailand about um, June. I was there for about a month. I was uh, going out there to teach some jiu-jitsu with, uh, with a group of people. And uh, Jim Bershka is a great guy. He puts together a group that goes out to Thailand. And uh, I got the opportunity to train a lot of different Muay Thai gyms. Uh, one gym is Muni Yotin that's out in Bangkok. And um, just reignited this whole this whole idea about uh, about fighting again. You know, just about everybody does that out there. You know, you got these guys, you got, there's one guy I was sparring with, and he's a young kid, 24, he's a Muay Thai champion at Rashomon Stadium, and he has 80 fights. You know, he fights, uh, fights all the time. So, um, you know, I got, uh, I got the bug again. And uh, also, just being out there, see, uh, Muay Thai now, it's almost like it's, it's everywhere, you know, but uh, it's only, a lot of it is leaving Thailand itself. A lot of the professional fighters are traveling out for different opportunities. Uh, although there are a lot of gyms, you know, you get a lot of different things. Sometimes it's just fitness. Some people are actually, uh, some places are actually fighting gyms. And uh, I want to, I want while working with the with a lot of different uh, Thai boxers, they, you don't really work a lot of grappling. You know, there's a lot of clinching, a lot of uh, they're really really good at you know, throws, dumps, that type of thing, and throwing knees and everything. But they really they really haven't focused on grappling and, and clinching. So I don't really know uh, why that is, what the what the reluctance is to get on the mat. But um, I, I believe you know, being an American-born Thai. Uh, I could bring that to the people. You know, I think that it's all Muay Thai. I mean, Muay Thai is like a Thai style of fighting, really, is what it's confined to a bunch of rules now. But uh, back in the day, you could see grappling techniques written in the uh, ancient texts and ancient manuals. So I've been thinking, like, man, you know, we could introduce uh, Jiu Jitsu uh, to the people. And uh, although I mean, it's out there, but maybe I can connect with them, you know. So that's my goal. I want to get back, fight, fight, uh, get some experience, and hopefully be able to fight MMA in Thailand. Uh, right now, they just introduced um, the one FC had their first event maybe about a year and a half ago, and I think that it's really to protect the Muay Thai industry. It's a really big part of the economy over there, and that, you know they want to keep everything else out. But now there's some interest in it, so perhaps I could be a representative for Jiu-Jitsu and bring a combination of the two back to the century. Is there a big difference from, you know, you mentioned, you know, you're a well-rounded martial artist that trains jiu-jitsu in the gi, trains no-gi jiu-jitsu, trains Muay Thai. Do you change your training in terms of preparing for a specific MMA fight, or do you do, or is it pretty much just the standard training that you do just as part of your day-to-day life as a martial artist? Uh, I like I like to stay well-rounded. I like to train gi. I like to train no-gi. I like to train uh, Muay Thai, but, you know, there is, a, there is a blending aspect, you know, from standing to ground, so we want to feel that, too. And also, there's the gloves kind of, they're a, they're a different element. So um, I like to grapple with the gloves and do some light striking with it, just kind of like uh, uh, marry the two together, you know. So I, uh, while it's not primarily only focused on grappling with just gloves, with doing MMA, uh, you do have to bring that in there so that you can be familiar with it. Because sometimes uh, I feel that uh, uh, you know, by not being familiar with certain situations and you begin to get in your own mind, like that's when you begin to tense up, be inefficient with your technique. So it's trying to get familiar with different uh, situations, being on the cage, being up against the cage, getting off the cage, that type of thing. So you want to kind of uh, uh, really familiarize yourself with the, with the, with the detailed uh, uh, situations that occur in certain sporting events. Mm-hmm. 
You mentioned that you started jujitsu in 1995. Were you already doing Muay Thai at that point? What came first, or were they both roughly contemporaneous? Um, you know, I, I started Kung Fu back in 1992, uh, and I did a lot of... I, uh, the, the, uh, found a Shaolin Kung Fu school in Rockville, and uh, uh, practiced that for about two, three years. I did a lot of competitions, and back then, you, uh, Kung, the Kung Fu circuits and the karate circuits and Taekwondo, they're all kind of one and the same. You know, so you go to these tournaments, and you get to do uh, forms, you do weapons, and then there's a point sparring aspect to it, and uh, I really got into point sparring. I didn't really have a normal childhood back in the day. My grandfather, who, who raised me, and he was very much um, uh, into the fighting arts, and uh, whatever I did, you know, really wanted me to excel at. So he'd take me to practice every day, make sure I do my homework first, get a meal, go to practice, come back, created a training gym like I worked at at home, and then we'd be traveling uh, on the weekends to different cities, maybe be in West Virginia, maybe be in Florida, uh, and traveling around and doing all these tournaments, and we just wanted to collect all these trophies, and the bigger the trophies, the better, you know. Really, I didn't really care about getting these trophies. He was the one who wanted to we got a six-foot trophy over here at this place, and you, you go ahead and drive out there and do it. I'm like, oh, okay. So uh, I didn't really, I didn't really get to uh, 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 experience a normal uh, middle school, high school childhood. Uh, in bed by eight o'clock, get up at five in the morning, and have a, a specific regimen to follow. And um, uh, about 1994, I was 14 years old. Uh, we had, I had an opportunity to go to Thailand. This was like my third time going to Thailand. I didn't really went there too much as a child. I went there really, really young. So. Um, Went out there, and uh, he, he, my grandfather was um, the uh, Royal Thai Army amateur mosquito weight Muay Thai champion. He uh, had a lot of. He went to the Thai military. Had a, when he got out, he had a lot of opportunities in the uh, telecommunications and TV industry. And one of the things he did was be a, a Muay Thai commentator, and uh, he connected with a lot of the Muay Thai fighters and gyms back then. So he's like, "Well, you know, we're going to go out and visit some of my friends, and you should uh, go to the Muay Thai gym." And uh, we took two of my high school buddies who went out there for about six weeks, trained at a Muay Thai gym uh, every day for a couple of hours. We got a couple of trainers to work with us. And it just really opened my eyes to a whole other uh, way of life. I mean, these, there's some of these kids that are 9, 10 years old, and they just be smashing the bag, you know. And they've already fought like 40, 50 times uh, already by that age. And, and they live at the gym. You know, there's like 20, 20 young guys living at the gym, uh, getting up every morning, running, training. They had somebody there who was always uh, cooking, and, and uh, that was their whole life. You know, some of them didn't really choose to do that, but, um, you know, it, it offered an opportunity, a way to, a way to uh, fight yourself out of poverty and uh, uh, another, another way to, to live your life. And then, you know, I was very fascinated by that. And I think my grandfather wanted to really keep me away from that. You know, he was like, well, you know, I, I kind of thought she didn't really have to do any of that stuff. But uh, uh, something something really really uh, spoke to me about that, and I said, okay, well, uh, now that i got a taste of, of Muay Thai, came back to the United States, and my whole idea about martial arts had changed, and I said, well, m- really what I was doing was dancing, <laughs> moving around, uh, which is, I got a lot out of it, you know, a lot out of Kung Fu, but um, after watching the UFC and watching a lot of these traditional martial artists get taken apart by, by um, uh, Muay Thai stylists, especially grapplers, I was very interested in finding um, more effective ways to, to fight, and uh, just so happened that I caught a flyer for a jiu-jitsu school um, uh, at that time, and, and, and the, some, some of my other high school buddies who trained Kung Fu with me, we were all, we were all really interested in trying to find the secret of jiu-jitsu after we saw Hoist Gracie, you know, take apart all these, all these uh, strikers, and 
luckily we found a school, and after that I was I was hooked. You know, training every day, uh, jiu-jitsu, judo, all the grappling arts. I mean, it was wonderful. And shortly thereafter, uh, about a year after, uh, a man named Mike Moses uh, came into uh, Rockwell. Right back in the with uh, Mario Yamasaki, and uh, uh, they, they brought a, a Muay Thai program. And now I had the opportunity to train striking and grappling in one place. And uh, that that this was this was heaven on earth for me. You know, I didn't have to go anywhere else. So I was just uh, studying studying uh, both Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu, and then that's kind of created the foundation for what we have here today at Beta Academy. Yeah. At what point did you realize that you wanted to to own a school? We've talked to several of your students in the past for interviews, and they've talked about the environment at Beta. And I want I want to ask you first, like, where did you get the idea to start Beta? And then we'll get into like how you create that environment for your students. Wow. Um, you know, this is never my idea. Um, I, I, I train martial arts. Really, I love, I love training, you know, and I worked, I worked and, and instructed at uh, a bunch of different schools and not with, not with uh, any idea of opening a school. And, um, you know, back then also there's a lot of politics, a lot of politics. There's still politics now, but that's why I try to, try to be as neutral as I can. Um, uh, pretty much, uh, uh, that, that, that idea of it. Um, and so that kind of turned me off to the idea of running a school. So all these different uh, people you got to talk to, and you know, I'd rather just just train. And so uh, um, I had a lot of during the time I was studying martial arts, I, uh, I wanted to make my grandfather happy. So being a first generation born here, he was an immigrant. You know, he's like, I'm going to make sure you get all these opportunities, go to school, and get a job here, and you know, climb the corporate ladder and do these things. So I was learning to be. Uh, uh, an accountant, business degree, and everything. So uh, I was I was trying to pursue that lifestyle as well. And so I said, well, okay. So now, what's next? You know, you gotta you gotta uh, I climb this corporate ladder. I've gotten a job. Let me see what else I can do because I don't really want to be working at a desk my whole life. So I was opening. I opened a series of different businesses. I opened a window tin shop. I had a, I had a government contracting company. I was investing in real estate and all these different things. And and. Uh, each, each, I was, I would get bored very fast, you know, I'd do something, I wouldn't say they were failures, but I didn't really get to where I wanted to go with them, so okay, all right, this great opportunity, move on to the next thing, and uh, all, this whole time I was still training martial arts, and I would travel out of town to go uh, to a lot of different schools, because I was living in D.C. at the time, and there were no schools in D.C., so I, you know, for instance, travel to Crystal City, train with uh, Professor Leo Bala, go to school in Woodbridge, and it was just really, really far away, and, um, you know, one day I was just hanging out with uh, Professor Dala, and he said, you know, you really should think about opening a school. And I was like, ah, really? You, you think so? And he goes, no. You travel all the way out here. Um, really, you should, you should spread jiu-jitsu, spread more I spread your martial art. You know, I, I just, I was really resistant to the idea and he just kept talking about it. He was like, let me show you what my new school is going to be and travel around. And we kind of shared a lot of ideas and I would help him as much as I could with the business side of things, whether it be, you know, taxes or uh, the law or anything like that. We'd always talk about it and we'd always try to convince him to do it. And one day I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe this is time. Um, uh, we're here in D.C. There's nothing. There's nothing in Washington D.C. And uh, for good reason. I mean, the real the rent is so high here. You know, a lot of different places they're, they're demolishing buildings and bringing building up new things and gentrifying areas. But, but for better or for worse, I mean, this is really what's happening everywhere. So um, it was it was really difficult. And uh, uh, he convinced me, and he said, you know what? One and exactly one of the things that I had said I didn't want to deal with is politics. He's like, look, man, you know what? He he he, he offered to be like a godfather. He said, do you ever have a problem? Just come talk to me about it. <laughs> you know? I was like, all right, thank you. So I felt comfortable with it. Looked around, found a location, 
Uh, our first location was in the Capital City Public Charter School. So it was like a small, thousand-foot uh, area. It was really like this uh, drama-slash-multi-purpose area at the bottom of this um, charter school. And uh, this is in Columbia Heights, uh, Washington, D.C., the corner of uh, Columbia Road and 14th. So at that time, this was like really high tension area. There's a lot of, you know, money moving in and, and just uh, uh, they're trying to clean up this whole area. And uh, it was, I don't, I don't know, uh, perhaps people wanted uh, what we were offering, jiu-jitsu Muay Thai, so they would come through this area, uh, find, find our uh, school. We had to lock it all the time because people would come through and steal different things. So and it was always locked. If I was in the middle of teaching a class, somebody would have to come in if they were late. I had to stop class, run up, unlock the door, let him in, close it back up again, and then uh, we'd have class. So uh, slowly this, this small school, we had about 30, 40 people started growing. And then um, before I knew it it was, it was more than I could handle. So we had to think about expanding and that was a that was a challenge moving around in, in DC. And uh, just so happened that within seven months of opening, uh, somebody had told me that there was a boxing gym that was leaving and they were um, uh, uh, they were renting a, a basement of a church, the uh, Calvary Methodist Church, which is right around the block from us. And uh, I said, Wow, this is uh, this is an amazing opportunity and I didn't talk to the pastor and he's like, Yeah, uh, we would really love to have a martial arts program here, particularly just for the for children, you know, because one of the things that we really want to do here is help the youth in the area. So we said, okay, well, uh, that's how we got the idea of starting up the kids' program. Because initially we were just teaching adults. And uh, so, all right, well, if we, if we want to do this, we definitely have to get back to the community. We have to offer this to, to, to young kids. So um, open the kids' program, begin, the, begin this, uh, uh, this uh, uh, seven-day-a-week program. Because initially we were only three days a week, and then, you know, the rest is history. People started coming in, and uh, it grew and grew and grew. And now we are in uh, a new permanent location. Been here for about three, four years on the on 14th Street, on the Florida Avenue. In 14th is a very uh, high traffic, uh, high rent area. But luckily, you know uh, what we're doing here. People, uh, people, uh, people like it. So you know, created a community, created a family around here, and uh, people come in. And DC is a very transient city, so people are moving in and out all the time. So see a lot of new faces and some old faces leave, but eventually, you know, things bring them back and they come back. So this has always been like a, a hub for people to come roll through. And uh, uh, it's great. You know, I'm thankful for being able to do this uh, for a living. It's clear from talking to your students that you have created that community and family environment. So congratulations on that. In the last five minutes we have, I do want to ask you just one, a couple more questions about the fight, which is, uh, so do you know anything about your opponent, Leonard Poe, and are you training specifically for him? Yeah, Leonard Poe, he's uh, 6'2", southpaw, uh, primarily focuses on boxing. Uh, so I, I work, with, you know, luckily in, in this school, it's not just while I am, my way of fighting and the way that I do things influences a lot of students and what I teach. There's so many students here and so much energy and so many uh, uh, leaders here that they bring a lot of different uh, styles and different ways of doing martial arts. So I, I seek out people that are of that his physical attributes, being taller, being southpaw, uh, maybe focus more on punching, and uh, I try to work with them as much as I can. We, we create a lot of different training uh, sessions where we get together and we work. And, and while I drill some specific things that I really want to work on, um, really I got to let the, I got to let the fight take its course, you know, and really just feel and be there and, 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 and uh, feel the fight. So I'm really excited to get in there. You know, Shogun fights uh, 17 coming around the corner. October 7th, I got three weeks, so I'm trying to make sure I stay healthy, make sure my uh, diet, the diet's right. Uh, recently, I've uh, become vegetarian. I, I, I don't like 
putting labels or saying vegan or vegetarian or pescatarian, I'm, I'm definitely stopped eating meat, and I've, I've noticed a huge uh, uh, increase in energy and uh, uh, increase in uh, just uh, you know overall uh, my desire to train. So uh, this is something new for me. I mean, I tried it maybe about three three years ago, and I was a complete vegetarian. So if it wasn't any meat, if it was a pizza or something like that, I could eat it, right? <laughs> but uh, uh, as of late, you know, I've been really focused on eating a lot of raw fruits and vegetables and being really focused on my diet and getting enough uh, hydration and water and everything. And, and it's, it's definitely changed my whole way of training and changed the whole outlook on, on, on competing. So, uh, and, and that's, that's in part thanks to people like you. You're professing, the, you're professing this... Uh, uh, a way of life, and thank you so much for getting the word out. Oh, you know, you're, you're far too kind, but that's another reason. Another reason everybody loves you. So, <laughs> so that shows. Oh, man, great. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, no, I, you know, uh, it, it's always it's, uh, it makes you more conscious about what you're trying to put in your body. You know, because you can go out there and you can if you buy everything that everybody's eating out there, and you can just eat anything anytime and just be just feel uh, uh, very tired. But uh, if you're if you're conscious about what you're choosing to eat and, and take care of yourself, I uh, definitely think that you're gonna gonna get through to the woods. And so, thank you so much for for being a, a professor of this lifestyle. You know, uh, I think a lot of people can get a lot out of it. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to call in. Knock Upon Fights on October 7th at Shogun Fights 17 at Royal Farms Arena in Baltimore, Maryland. People can get tickets at shogunfights.com, and I'm sure that y'all have tickets at the gym as well. Yes, yes. If you're to the gym, I can also go to my Facebook page. There's a link there if you want to get it online. You can uh, have the tickets at will call. And, uh, yeah, we have a few left in our section. And let's see everybody out there. Terrific. Well, I want to thank you again for taking the time to call in right after training. Is there is there anything else that I haven't asked about that you really wish I would have asked about in the couple minutes we have no. left? Other than uh, I'd love to be on your show again and talk to you. I mean, this has uh, been a great opportunity. Thank you so much. And if anybody passes through Washington, D.C., you're definitely welcome to come by our school. Check out our website, www.betaacademy.com. We have classes seven days a week, uh, Monday through Sunday. We start classes at 6 a.m. all the way to 10 p.m. Uh, we've got a lot of visitors that pass through all the time. So, you know, if you want to come through and check it out, train some shit, train some more Thai, do some wrestling, perhaps some MMA, you know, definitely hit us up and come by. Love to have you come to the school. And we would love to have you in studio for a full hour sometime, knock upon. So best of luck in your training, best of luck in your fight, uh, and thanks so much again. Take care. Thanks so much. Take care, all. So I think you can hear why Nakapon is considered one of the finest martial artists around. It's not just in the fact that he is uh, an avid practitioner of multiple disciplines or has this conceptual understanding that you have to link those disciplines together, but it's also the attitude that martial arts is a way of life, and uh, that sort of positivity does bleed down uh, to his uh, the, the instructors at his school and to everybody that trains there. So I want to thank Nakapon for taking the time to call in. I also want to thank Lori Porsche and Louis Candelis for taking the time. Uh, when I came up to train for being so welcoming, when I went up to train at Beta Academy. Um, so that's our show for the week, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed this Beta Academy themed show. It's great to be back in the studio. Um, you heard from the intro news segment. There's a ton going on. There's a ton going on, and so get out there, learn some jujitsu, train some jujitsu, train with your friends, learn from some of the best people that are coming to the area, and as always, hit us up and let us know who you want to hear on the show. In the coming weeks, we will talk to Samantha Seff, Sammy Seff again, fighting in the main event uh, for uh, a title and coming back off an injury. So we're really looking forward uh, to having her back in the studio we will talk to her soon and we will see you again hopefully next sunday